listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our scripture today is James 3 verses 1 to 12. And in honor of the Indigenous People Sunday, I'm going to be reading from the First Nations version, a translation of the New Testament written entirely by Native American Bible scholars and church leaders. My sacred family members, not many of you should become teachers of spiritual ways. For you know that we who teach will face a stricter judgment. We all stumble on the path in many ways. But if we could keep our words from hurting others, we would be mature human beings, able to aim our whole lives in the right direction. Those who put bits in the mouths of horses are able to move them in the direction they want them to go. It is the same with a canoe. Even with a large canoe is being pushed by strong winds, it takes only a small paddle to steer it where someone wants it to go. In the same way, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it boasts about great things. A large forest can be set on fire by a tiny flame, and the tongue is itself a flame of fire. The tongue is a world full of evil, and it spreads its poison throughout the whole body. The words spoken by the tongue have the power to set on fire the very circle of life itself, and its flames come from the valley of smoldering fire. Every kind of four-legged beast or winged one of the air and every reptile or sea creature can be tamed and have been tamed by human beings. But no one can tame the tongue. It is an evil that never rests, full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Great Spirit, our honored Father, and with it we curse human beings who are made in his image. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My sacred family members, this should not be. Does both sweet and bitter water come from the same spring? Can olives and figs come from the same tree? Can a grapevine bear figs, my sacred family members? Not at all. And neither can salt water be used to make water fresh again. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Kurt, for that reading. Well, I was hoping to start off with some good news about the Bills, but they're down uh, 11 to nothing right now, so, um, so sorry. Um, before we get into our teaching for today, though, um, I want to say a quick word about the Bible translation uh, Kurt just read from, the First Nations version. Um, it's a really cool translation of the Bible, and this is not a paid ad, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, this came out about two years ago. Um, it's, uh, like, like Kurt mentioned, it's a translation of the New Testament done entirely by Native American Bible scholars uh, and pastors and theologians. Um, I picked it up this summer, and it is a really refreshing read. Um, I would say if if the Bible has gotten stale for you in your walk, if you, if you struggle, um, you know, when you, when you crack open the Bible and you're looking for something to kind of m- mix it up a little bit, um, reading the same story in the kind of language and terms that uh, Native American cultures and tribes use uh, is a very different take, uh, and it's an excellent translation. So I just wanted to uh, put that out there on this Indigenous Peoples uh, Sunday. 
Again, not a sponsored ad. Um, and I don't know what's going on uh, in the title slide for today, but this is what happens when you Google uh, tame the tongue. <laughs> so that's, that's what we've got up there. Um, anyway, have you ever felt like the Bible is calling you out directly? Yes, okay, good, some people know this. Um, have you ever, maybe, maybe you're sitting in church, you're hearing a scripture being read, or maybe you're reading it on your own somewhere, and uh, it feels like it's speaking to you, and not in a good way. Uh, the Bible is putting you on blast, as the young folks say. Not many of you should become teachers, for you know that we who teach will face a stricter judgment. I don't like that verse very much, <clears throat> um, and of course, we get this right at the beginning of this longer section about taming the tongue. This is something uh, that I have struggled with my whole life. My only marketable skill is being able to talk in front of people. I'm not building or fixing things, right? Um, and I'm a bit of a free speech extremist, just kind of how I'm wired personally. I really recoil at any attempt to uh, control speech, police speech, label certain words bad words. Like, I, I've never liked that. I grew up wanting to be a stand-up comedian, right? Uh, as a kid, I idolized people like Chris Rock and George Carlin, right? Let's get them up on this, the, the screen, uh, the, two, the two saints, Chris Rock and George Carlin. Um, <clears throat> Chris Rock, right, a comedian who I can't even quote most of his jokes to you. I would be canceled on the spot, and rightfully so. Um, and, and George Carlin, a guy whose most famous bit is the seven words you can't say on television, which consequently you also can't say in church. Uh, these were my heroes as a kid. Um, I discovered at a very early age, uh, largely by watching stand-up comedy, um, that words have a certain power to them, um, a power to shock and to scandalize. The right combination of words said in just the right way could make my mother gasp and say, Daniel, right? Um, a different combination of words could transform my father's face to this shade of red <laughs> that is somewhere between like a hot coal and a tomato. You know, you know what I'm talking about? The power of words. And I wish I could tell you all that I've outgrown this, this urge to kind of push the boundaries of speech. Um, I wish I could say that it's gotten easier, but I stand before you, age 38, and it is still just as hard. Only now, uh, it's my wife who I'm usually trying to get a rise out of, um, or you guys. You know, that's kind of, that's, that's, that's what I do now. Um, now, there is, there is a new dimension to this in my life now, though, as a, as a parent, because I now have a son who's six years old who also likes to test the limits and the boundaries of speech. And just about every other week now, uh, we get a phone call from the school with the latest update, the latest report, the latest thing Zeke is in trouble for saying, and now, as the father, I have to resist the urge to laugh because the kid is objectively funny. <laughs> it's hard. Um, I've always avoided passages about speech because I don't want to be a hypocrite up here. I don't want to say anything from the pulpit that I can't actually back up in my own life. Last fall, uh, as we were going through Proverbs, Pastor Elisha did the sermon on wise speech, but she wouldn't take this one, and I tried. Um, just, just this past week, I was, like, I was like, you sure you don't want to preach in October, you know? No dice. So here I am talking to you all about a topic that I struggle with. 
Here's the thing, though, silver lining. <clears throat> the more I read our passage this week, and I read it a lot, um, I came to see that James has a lot of really great things to say about speech. There is some wisdom here that even I have to admit is pretty solid. We're going to unpack some of that wisdom together, um, and then we're going to outline a few practical steps, some practices that we can uh, try out to try and tame these tongues of ours. And it's my hope that maybe together we will learn something. Does that, does that sound like a plan? We good on that? Okay, good. You're nodding. Excellent. Uh, let's start with the first bit of wisdom from James that I want to unpack. It's an area where I'm actually in full agreement with James, uh, and it's something I already hinted at. Words are incredibly powerful. Verse 5. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it boasts about great things. A large forest can be set on fire by a tiny flame, and the tongue is itself a flame of fire. The tongue is a world full of evil and spreads its poison throughout the body. The words spoken by the tongue have the power to set on fire the very circle of life itself. I love the way that the First Nations version puts that. Language is one of the most powerful tools that we as human beings possess. With words, we can create entire worlds. We can envision new realities uh, and expand our view of what's possible. Every movie or TV show you've seen, uh, every book you've ever read, every speech you've heard, it all starts with words. Words can inspire change. Uh, they can start movements. They can empower us and set us free. But words can also do incredible harm. Words can start wars. We saw on January 6th in our own country how a few words in front of an angry crowd can start a riot that costs lives. The wrong words said to a child enough times leaves us with scars we carry the rest of our lives. We've seen public figures uh, tank their entire careers with words. Uh, usually it's like a tweet or some uh, insensitive joke. Uh, some people call this cancel culture, like it's a, like it's a bad thing. Um, but it's usually just accountability, right? Um, in our digital age, where everything we say is shared and preserved on the internet, people are finally being held accountable for the damage that's done by our words. Wise people get this. Uh, wise people understand the power of words. They learn to be disciplined in what they say because the tongue really is like the rudder on a ship or a canoe. If we're not careful, our lives, our mouths will take our lives in a direction that we don't want to go. You can start a fire with your tongue that consumes everything you love and care about. Words have power. That's the first bit of wisdom. Second bit of wisdom <clears throat> is that as Christians, our speech should be edifying to God and other people. Our speech should be edifying to God and other people. Uh, verse 9. With the tongue we bless the Great Spirit, our honored Father, that's God, and with it we curse human beings who are made in God's image. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth, my sacred family members, this should not be. Does both sweet and bitter water come from the same spring? Can olives and figs come from the same tree? Can a grapevine bear figs, my sacred family members? Not at all. And neither can salt water be used 
to make water fresh again. I feel like that first bit of wisdom, we talked about the power of words, that's pretty obvious, right? Like, like just about anybody can understand that words have power. But I think this one, the second point, is where James is getting really specific, really practical about how we are to speak as Christians. Our speech has to be edifying to God and other people. It should elevate others and glorify God. We have to be consistent as followers of Jesus. I think half the work of discipleship is just learning to live consistently. You cannot praise God while tearing other people down. You can't pray for someone and then in the next breath talk trash about them. That doesn't work. You don't get salt water and fresh water from the same spring. We following this? Is this making sense? Um, I mentioned that growing up I dreamed of being a stand-up comedian, and I've shared in here before um, that I actually took a stab at that. Uh, for two years in college, I was doing stand-up regularly. Um, I won a few competitions. I got paid to do stand-up, which was pretty cool. Um, I had a radio show on the college station. I was like the local shock jock, you know, trying to be funny on, on the radio, uh, not usually succeeding. Um, I even got to perform uh, at the Laugh House, which is this uh, stand-up comedy club in Philadelphia that I'd always dreamed of, of performing at. And after about two years of doing stand-up, investing so much time uh, developing my own material, trying to build a following, um, refining my craft, I quit. I walked away from it because doing stand-up was destroying me. I didn't like the person I was when I was on, on stage, the, the persona that I adopted. Um, I was loud, uh, foul-mouthed, pretty nasty. Um, I was mean. Uh, I told jokes that were really awful. They, they made people laugh, but it was usually at someone else's expense. Um, I would, like, insult people in the, in the crowd, and, of course, the audience would eat it up, um, but I would walk off the stage feeling terrible about myself. It wasn't edifying anybody. It wasn't edifying to the audience. It wasn't edifying to me. It certainly wasn't bringing any glory to God. And this was also a season where I wasn't in church regularly. I didn't have any real form of Christian community in my life. Might have been a connection there. Uh, thinking about it in hindsight. Um, but I had enough sense. I had enough residual Christian something that I walked away. I quit. I, I left it behind because I had to. I figured I would never speak in front of a crowd again. <laughs> <clears throat> Clearly God had other plans. But when our speech is not edifying to others, uh, it can end up destroying us. Even if it's not such a public thing. Um, you get to a point where you lose the sense of who you are. The person you are presenting to the world, the person that's coming out of your mouth is not the person that you know you are inside, the person God created you to be. We might think that we're being clever or funny. We might think that the person we're tearing down with our words deserves it for some reason, but it is absolute poison to our souls. Lift other people up with your speech. Use your tongue to glorify God and make sure that the words that come out of your mouth are consistent with who God made you to be. That's the second bit of wisdom. One more thing I want to unpack, and this is going to get us into some more um, practical stuff. 
Wise people <clears throat> learn to control their tongues. Wise people learn to control their tongues. I know James writes that uh, no one can tame the tongue. Personally, I think that's hyperbole. Um, because wise people, people who've been around the block a couple times uh, and who know a thing or two, they learn to control their speech. Think about anyone who's really impacted your life, right? Mentors, teachers, uh, spiritual giants, pastors. I've been blessed to have a lot of people like that in my life over the years, and most of them have this almost zen way of speaking, right? It's like a, a, a slower rhythm, cadence to their voice, almost Yoda-like, you know? Um, everything they say is deliberate and thoughtful. Um, every word that comes out of their mouth was considered beforehand. It's the kind of people who, like, when they talk in a crowded room, the room hushes and everyone, like, leans in to listen. Have you had people like that in your life? Yeah. Aren't they the best? How do we become people like that? How do we cultivate this wisdom around speech? Clearly, I haven't arrived yet, but I've got a few ideas. Um, I don't think this is something where we can just like try really hard and, and, and take care of it. We don't just like flip a switch in our brains and talk differently. Um, but I do think there are some practices we can try, some disciplines to adopt uh, that can begin to change the way we speak. These are the habits that on my good days, um, I try to practice to tame my tongue. The first is to talk less and listen more. Talk less, listen more. Um, James is right. <clears throat> the tongue really is like a wild animal. Right? A four-legged beast that is hard to tame. Tongue's also a muscle, though. And I've learned that the more you exercise a muscle, the more damage it can usually do. Uh, sometimes I think I'd solve half my problems if I just exercised my tongue less, if I just kept it shut. Wise people know when to speak and when to listen, when to be quiet. And I actually think Jesus is the ultimate example of this. You might not know this, but we don't have a whole lot of words from Jesus in our Bibles. Like, if you, if you get one of those old red-letter Bibles where the words of Christ are in red and page through it, you're going to see that, like, most of the words in there are not red. Um, Jesus did not give a lot of long-winded speeches. Uh, when he did speak, Jesus was usually either telling stories or asking questions. Um, you might have even seen this post on social media. I've got it in the slides here. <clears throat> this pops up on my feed. Someone shares it just about every other week. It says, in the Gospels, Jesus has asked 187 questions. He answers maybe eight of them. He himself asks 307. Maybe faith isn't about certainty, but learning to ask and sit in the complexity of good questions. It's an awesome quote. Uh, and admittedly, I did not check all the numbers on this. I'm not going to page through my Bible and, you know, count the question marks. But this rings very true to me. Jesus asks more questions than he answers. When people ask him a question, he usually responds with another question. That's good listening. We should learn from that as Christians. If you want to grow in wisdom and gain control of your speech, ask more questions, talk less, listen more. Uh, another practical step we can take that actually is right in, long with, right in line with this one. 
is to take our time before responding. <clears throat> take your time before you weigh in and give your opinion. Uh, in our you know, high-speed 21st century social media-driven culture, it is so tempting to just swoop right in, voice our opinion, make our voice heard, whether it's like an online debate on Facebook or uh, even in person, some friend or family member is spouting off with nonsense. We just want to dive right in and convince them how wrong they are. Don't do that. Take time before responding. Uh, this is something I've been trying to get better at. Uh, there's a lot of times when people will come to me with a problem or a question they want me to weigh in on. Pastor Dan, what do you think about X, Y, and Z? And I am trying to be more disciplined in saying, that is a great question. Can I get back to you tomorrow about that? Can I have some time to process and to think about this? Because if I respond right away, I'm probably not going to give the best answer. But if I wait, if I sleep on it, if I think about it, there is a almost 100% chance that whatever I say tomorrow is going to be way better than anything I would say today. So take time before you respond. Another practical thing you can do is surround yourself with good words. Surround yourself with edifying speech. Um, I have a friend who's always saying, good in, good out. Um, Usually the context is when they're judging my parenting for letting Zeke and Miriam watch something they shouldn't watch on TV. But uh, so it's like, good in, good out, Dan, right? Um, but where I think they're right is that we need good inputs if we're going to put good out into the world. We need to be imbibing good stuff, edifying speech, if our speech is going to be edifying to others. Some ways you can do this would be to read books that are rich in language and metaphor good stuff, you know? I'm thinking like Shakespeare, stuff like that. Um, or if you don't like Shakespeare, there's other, there's other authors. That's just where my mind went. Um, listen to podcasts that tell interesting stories um, or that discuss current events in thoughtful uh, ways, well-informed ways. Go on YouTube and pull up some speeches by great orators. I think of like MLK and other people who when, when they spoke, it just lifted everybody. There are so many options out there for good, edifying speech we can expose ourselves to, and we have to, because there's also a lot of junk out there. From cable news to certain movies, radio, we are bombarded 24-7 with speech that incites fear and tears other people down. Counteract that with some good speech, some good words, good in, good out. I know we want to get to the bills. <clears throat> so my last two steps I'm going to do together. Uh, two more practical steps, last two, that we can take to tame the tongue. We can look for ways to lift others up with our speech, and we can invite accountability. <clears throat> Part of loving your neighbors uh, as, as Christians is using our speech, using the power of language to elevate others. Um, and that goes for our enemies, too. So often, I think, when we talk about speech, we think uh, in a restrictive sense. You know, what, what words are off limits? What things should we not be talking about? Um, there's a place for that, but I think we can do a lot of good by intentionally trying to lift other people up. When you encounter someone, whether it's a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, be on the lookout for opportunities to elevate them, to bless them, 
to make them feel good with your words. So often when we're in an argument, we just want to win. We want to tear the other person down, convince them, defeat them. That is not loving. That's not loving our neighbors. But what if we entered these tense conversations looking to bless with our language? That annoying uncle at Thanksgiving. What if, instead of entering into conversation with them to convert them or change them, what if we just came in looking to bless? It's a nice pair of boots you have on Uncle Bill. Have you lost weight? How is such and such going? If, if we're being honest, it's not superficial, as long as you mean it. As long as you mean it, it's not superficial. But when we talk in a way that is loving and edifying to people, that is the sort of talk that is going to soften hearts, that will actually strengthen relationships. And when those tense situations come, if you've already invested time building that person up and showing them love, they're going to be much more likely to listen to what you have to say. And then, of course, this last practice, invite accountability. (sighs) Invite people to speak into your life who you trust to hold you accountable for your speech. This could be anybody. Uh, It could be a friend. It could be your spouse. It could be a partner. Um, Someone who you know has your best interest in heart. Find somebody in your life that you can say, honestly, I'm looking to control my tongue and communicate in a way that glorifies God. Can you pull me aside if you hear me speak in a way that doesn't do that and just let me know? About a year ago, um, I had a meeting with the pastoral relations team here at the church. Uh, We meet quarterly just to check in, uh, see how things are going. Um, It's also an opportunity for people to voice any concerns that they have. Um, And this was about a year ago. One of the members of our pastoral relations team suggested that I take a break from social media. Um, They were like, you post on Facebook an awful lot. Um, And while, while I agree with some of what you post, It's not always the most loving content. When you share a provocative news story and like, you know, blast your opinion on there in a couple sentences, it's not always the best look for you, Pastor. And um, I'll tell you the truth, when they said that to me, I was ticked. (laughs) I was was like, you know, they're trying to to take away my speech because I'm a millennial, social media is my life. Um, But instead of pushing back, instead of arguing, I listened. I took a break from social media for a few weeks. And uh, since then, over the last year, I have posted a lot less. And I've got to tell you, my life is better as a result. Um, I'm less on edge. I'm less distracted. I'm even slowly starting to become a little less argumentative in person. This is a struggle for me, you guys. Uh, And I am working on it. I'm listening. And maybe this is an area where we can grow together. Uh, If you're like me and you struggle to tame your tongue, I want to challenge you to choose two or three practices from this list. Maybe there's even another that you can think of. And try implementing them in your life this week. Try 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 to do it. Try to practice this stuff. Invite some accountability. Work on your listening skills. Take a day before you respond or comment on Facebook. Read the Going Deeper section in your bulletin this week. And spend some time in James. Maybe together we will finally learn to tame the tongue. Let's pray.
God, we thank you for the gift of language, the gift of speech, and our ability to communicate. Thank you for giving us tongues with which to read your word and to sing your praises. God, we also know that our tongues can do incredible harm. Our speech can tear others down, it can tear ourselves down, and it can deflect from your glory. So God, help us to tame the tongue. Give us wisdom around speech. Open our eyes to opportunities to lift other people up. Help us to continue to learn and grow on this front and any other areas where we struggle to honor you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.